Hi guys, welcome to the Last Set Podcast, episode 147, and today I'm joined by Colin Johnson, and just before the podcast, we actually realised we're not that uh, li- we're not that different right from the start, off the get-go. How you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How are you? I'm doing really well. I mean, we've been uh, back and forth for quite some time, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, I think it's been like six months or so. I think I saw you at the SGT comp, I think a couple of, couple of months ago, and yeah. you versed, yeah, one of one of my teammates, and I saw you, saw oh, your role. And, yeah. Yes, that one. No, yeah, the last one I competed at was the ABJF. That state, that yeah. other state one. Yeah. That one I found an absolute to be an absolute nightmare because I cut weight on the day and I lost oh the first God. match and got eliminated. Jeez. Biggest lesson learned: don't do that. Yeah, but yes, I did compete at the SGT, the one previously before that one, silver. And it was, a, I think it was Luke from Brown. Yeah. He won that one, yeah. Yeah. And then he actually went on the next week and won states. It's not too late. Yeah. <laughs> so. He just seems to be winning everything at the moment. Like the the comp he did the other week as well. He, um, yeah, won his division, I think, as well. Is he still a white belt? Yeah, he's still a white belt. And we're um, competing at Pans uh, in, I think, a month's time now. And we're going to room room together, which would be pretty cool. Really? So you're yeah. going to go into pants as well? Yeah, I'm going to give it a crack and see how we go. And Fantastic, yeah. man. So you've been doing jiu-jitsu for how long now? About three and a half years now. Okay. So, yeah. Good. And your blue belt with how many stripes? Um, I've got one stripe. It's fallen off my belt, though. Uh, washing machine? Yeah, washing machine has destroyed my belt. It, yeah, my I have had to use my brother's old blue belt today. <laughs> Uh, at training just because my other one was just so frayed. The so, brother who we met just before yeah, we came on? Yeah, oh, my okay. brother Aiden. So How long has yeah. he been doing jiu-jitsu for? Oh, he's been doing it six years or so now. Oh, yeah. okay. And you're going to train together at Bravos. Yeah, yeah, uh, so nice. it's pretty cool. Yeah, those washing machines, they definitely are a devil to belts. I do, there's a lot of the debate where they're like, oh, do you wash your belt? Do you not wash your belt? Oh, you've got to wash your belt. I always get ringworm and stuff and you don't want that kind of stuff, eh? Uh, I've never even I haven't even come close to any of that sort of stuff, yeah, but yeah, I hear that's one of the reasons why. But also, um, people argue, oh yeah, should you or should you not? But when COVID came around and when COVID was around in Perth, yeah. everybody was washing like constantly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so let's actually get off right off the bat. How did you get involved in that, man? In jujitsu? Yeah. Um. So this kind of takes me back to what I was doing previously in my life. So I used to play para table tennis for Australia mm-hmm. um, when I was a teenager and um, I was competing like, yeah, all around the world, I guess in like China, Thailand, Fiji and Korea, I think I competed in. And around 2019 is when I started jiu So at the start of that year, I went to nationals for table tennis and I lost like a lot of passion for the sport. I think, like the previous couple of years leading up to like a Paralympic qualifying year, it was a bit, a bit rough. Just, um, just like, I, I don't know. I just lost a bit of motivation. My motivation always went up and down with it. I felt like I was, it was pressure to keep playing for other people rather than myself. And my brother's like, Oh, why don't you try jujitsu? And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds cool. I was like, I'll, I'll try martial art. Um, had no idea what I was doing for like the first, I reckon couple of months. And yeah, just, yeah, just kept with it. And Rodrigo, the coach of Bravos, he just um, basically just said, keep coming back, keep coming back. And I kept coming back and yeah, just kept the ball rolling that way. I hear a lot of, uh, I hear, always hear really good things to hear about him. He's one of those, uh, Rodrigo, um, he's one of those practitioners that has built a cult following, but it's 
built on the back of his hard work and yeah. the amount of respect that he gives and the way that he carries himself is the way that, and the way he presents himself to others is obviously it's almost intoxicating in a way in a, in a yeah. positive yeah, way yeah I get what you mean yeah. yeah and what's the next thing so now without um, I'm not trying to be nasty or that, but <laughs> I've always questioned since since meeting you just earlier on yeah. how do you practice jiu-jitsu of um, course yeah, so, so um, tell people about that. By okay, the way. Um, so I've got cerebral palsy left hemiplegia, which is basically a disability um, caused from birth or at, like just before birth, where there's a blockage in my brain going from my right right side of my brain um, that sends the signals to my left side. So basically, I've got like altered, um, just like uh, what's the word? I guess like a little bit of altered sensation, but also altered like um, motor neuron firing on that side and increased muscle tone and a bit of, I guess, less coordination there as well. Um, so yeah, basically I just try things and just give it a crack. And I guess like Rodrigo's always told me, he goes, just find a way, like he'll, he'll, we'll keep trying adjust to adjust things and make a game work for me. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like, I think throughout my whole life, I've just given stuff a crack and it's kind of crossed over to jujitsu as well and just find what works, what doesn't work. And just like, is it like a, just a problem solving thing, I guess. I see. So if you don't mind me asking, how much yeah. control do you have over um, it? Yeah, I've got most control. Just my fine motor skills aren't great. Okay. Um, my balance is terrible just because it affects my leg and my trunk as well. Oh, it's um, your leg and your yeah, trunk as well. Yeah. So a lot of people just see me walking around, they see the arm and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the arm, but like it's, it's a lot of the leg as well. The leg, um, like cramps up a lot after like big, big nights of training and all that kind of stuff. Wow. And yeah. So I can't do foot hooks too well on that side uh, just because I don't have the dorsiflexion to do so um, and the strength to do it. But yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's more like fine motor movements um, that really, I really struggle with. Mm-hmm. So like even using like a, like a simple thing like knife and fork is sometimes hard. Like I do it in the weirdest way possible, but it works for me. So yeah. Well, you found a way either way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have like sensation as well? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I got sensation, but it's a little bit more, I think, like more sensitive. Okay. Um. So like. If, I, what I, if someone tried to wrist lock you in that? Oh, hand? the <laughs> wrist lock. The, oh, Igor wrist locks me all the time. So it's, <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's easy to wrist lock because I don't have the strength to like keep it um, neutral. So it'll just go <laughs> straight down. Um, yeah, I've had it injured a couple of times. Just people didn't know and they've gone like, pretty hard and I like say Americana or, or Kimura or something and even wrist locks and yeah I've just been a little bit sore the day after but then yeah it's all good and they're like oh I'm so sorry I'm like it's all good <laughs> like we're, we're training this is what we do so cool so yeah. with your training and all that as well yeah. you've been an SNC coach yeah I, I just gotta ask him all that when yeah. you actually train can is it anything you can do to train that side of the body physically can it yeah. get stronger and all that or yeah so um it, it definitely can get stronger um i think mainly for me it's like i do a lot of bilateral stuff but the accessory exercises are mainly focused unilaterally just because i can um isolate that left side a bit more and make sure i'm doing like again again the amount the appropriate rate weight to that side and especially for my right side as well because it's so much stronger if i'm doing a lot of bilateral stuff and um, it's not necessarily my right side as well is not necessarily getting the strength that it needs as well so it's doing a i think it's just yeah doing a bit of both i oh. guess like both unilateral and um 
bilateral. But, and also I found like higher rep ranges work for me a bit more as well. Um, like studies also suggest that as well with CP. And then also eccentric exercises have been really good for me as well. Okay, so um, like what kind of eccentric exercises would you, have um, you found to have most benefit? I think the one at the moment, especially for hamstring um, strength, is like a common RDL. So I've got like heaps of kettlebells at home and just like do those most mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps free up my hamstring because I used to do like static stretching all the time as a kid and that's what they used to always tell me to do. So you do static stretching? Oh, of course, so, yeah. Um, so like, you know, you, your standard like seated hamstring stretch and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I found because my like my strength at that end range position wasn't strong enough um, that it would just go towards like the uh, ligaments and tendons at the back of my knee and rather than the actual muscle belly itself. And then it would create a little bit more instability. Now I'm getting strength through the length at that end range there. So that's helped me a lot. Um, I guess other exercises that helped me is like just barbell, oh, not barbell, like the pe- hangs on the power rack and all that kind of stuff. Of course. That helps me a lot too, just because um, my lats are really tight. And same with my elbow, like my biceps as well. Just like so in CP, a lot of like the flexors get tight. So like your hip flexor, your knee flexor, so your hamstrings, I guess like um, dorsiflexion as well. Or actually it's more plantar flexion for me in like my calf, in my calf um, and then bicep as well. So it, and, and also my, my wrist as well. So it's always locked like a fist. Looks like I'm trying to punch someone all the time, but yeah. Uh, wow. So how often a week do you have to do that then? Um, like S&C stuff? Yeah. I do twice a week at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And how often do you do have to do the stretching? Um, I try to do like the RDLs most mornings if I can. Um, sometimes I'm a little bit lazy with it, but um, I, I guess like always before and after training, I make sure I get some sort of mobility in. Um the only thing I really do static stretching wise is maybe a hip flexor stretch because it works really well for me at the moment. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Now, so when, when this happened, obviously saying you were born with it. Yeah. Does, does your family ever have a history of it uh, or no. is it just something you inherited or sorry, something that you. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. So I don't think it's hereditary. No. Um, but there was a lot of complications um, from when I was born. So like my mom almost like, Unfortunately, she almost like passed away from having me because like she, um, yeah, went through a pretty hard labor with me. Um, And then also once I was born, they put you, they put you in that little crib thing that like heated crib, I think is, I can't remember what they call it. Like a little Uh, incubation. Yeah, I call it it an incubator, but I'm like, I don't think that's the right word. (laughs) We'll just call it that. Yeah, no stress. But um, yeah, so they put me in one of those and apparently that burnt the whole left side of my body as well. So I was like, I wonder if that's why I got CP. So it's really interesting. Like I, like there's a lot of different like theories on why it could happen, but I'm, for me, I'm not really too sure to be honest. Okay. But yeah, so, um, but yeah. And I was also, I think 20, I was born at 28 weeks. So like I was really premature. So that, that could probably be the one of the reasons why as well. Wow. Well, you've done a lot of really well for yourself. I mean, when we were just talking about earlier on is you have had a similar path to what I've gone down in terms of like career-wise. Like yeah. you started, uh, you, you explained to me what you did again. You went to uni and you did yes. sports science as well. Yeah. So um, when I graduated high school in 2013, I went straight into sports science. I was like, I kind of knew what I wanted to do from year 11. I was like, I want to be like an S&C coach, mm-hmm. you know, do the performance side like you see like in 
AFL teams and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, that's kind of where I went ahead. Um, and then did my sports science degree while I was competing in table tennis. And then after that, I was like, I still don't feel like I know enough. So I did my master's in S&C. Um, and then completed that at the end of 2020. And Wait, there's a master's in S&C? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a master's in exercise science specializing in strength and, strength and conditioning. That's a thing? Yeah. What in my uni ever have that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so um, so we, so we that's just up at ECU in June Lab. And it's an online course and we have, heap, well, we had heaps of people from around the world doing it. So like you, um, and then you would go in for like a big prac at the end of your course. So unfortunately I had it during COVID and it was all only Perth people, but to be honest, those Perth people were absolute legends. So, um, it was pr- pretty cool to meet all them, but yeah. Um, like in uh, years prior, you would have people from America, Canada, um, I think we have a bit, I think ECU have an exchange program with China as well. So like we had, had a few Chinese people coming in for the prac as well and all over the, diff, um, all over the world, basically. And it's pretty cool because like you're on your um, discussion boards and you're talking to someone from like, say Colorado or something about a certain topic in SNC or physiology. And yeah, it was pretty cool. Wow. So how did you manage to, when you were in uni, how did you manage to balance that and competing in table tennis? Or? Um, so I was lucky. I was part of the elite athlete program okay. um, at ECU. Um, so at the at the time, there was one lady that was just basically basically organising all my uni stuff for me. Um, you just go to go to her and be like, "I've got competitions this time throughout the semester, whatever. Um, is there a way I can get extensions?" And she'll go, "Oh, I'll sort it out for you." And she would do that. Um, I think she left after my first year at uni, and then so you just basically. We're in the elite athlete program, and then you tell the, you would basically tell your uh, lecturers and all that before the semester starts, or as soon as you know when the competitions are going on, um, you've got a competition at this stage. Um, can I get an extension, or whatever the case may be? So yeah. Wow. Okay. So how long were you actually doing the uh, table tennis for then? If, uh, um, so I started in two thousand and nine. And how did you come across that? Was it like <laughs> something you were trying to find, or something did you find that you actually get um, to with, or? No, so in 2009, I I was first um, introduced into para sports. So I started off doing athletics and running was my main focus. And um, at the end of 2009, there was an Australian Paralympic Youth Games in Melbourne. And the people that were um, taking the WA team over, they were like, oh, um, my athletics is at the end of the week. Do you want to do something at the start of the week so you don't get bored? And I was like, yeah, okay. And they go, oh, do you want to play table tennis? I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I went over there with only like one training session under my belt, got absolutely spanked by all the <laughs> people there. And then I thought, okay. And then I actually did well in running in that comp. I uh, got silver in the 400 meters in my classification, which was cool. Um, and then after that, uh, this is a story probably my brother didn't want me to tell on this podcast, but um, so I transitioned into table tennis basically because we'll, me and my brother were playing footy in the backyard and he's gone for a tackle on me, broken my ankle, oh, had yeah. a big snap. <laughs> and from that, I couldn't really like move too well. Was it the bad side? It was my good side. So good side. yeah, <laughs> oh, so no. I was in a wheelchair for a bit, which was pretty cool. Um, uh, so I was in a wheelchair and yeah, doing all that kind of stuff. And I had, uh, from that, I got osteoarthritis in my knee um, just because, um, yeah, just basically my ankle wasn't as strong to hold the load, so the load went to my knee. Um, and from there, I had 
like heaps of pain running and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I just kept playing table tennis. I happened to be good at it. And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And just kept training and then got into like, got to do a couple of national championships and then, um, yeah, competed in an international ca- championship <laughs> up in Durham called the Arafura Games, where I paid um, my own way basically to go up there. And well, my parents did at the time. <laughs> and yeah, and then that kind of got the um, Australian team's eyes on me. Like I, uh, I won gold basically because my teammate was really good. <laughs> and wow. yeah, um, and then yeah, then just started like playing well at nationals. And yeah, got into the Australian team and started competing from there. Wow. So how long yeah. were you with the Australian team for? Um, so I was, uh, so I would have been in year 10, which would be 2011 to my last year, which was in 2019. So yeah. Wow. So yeah, like eight years. So I was like from 15, I think until I was 22 or 23. Yeah. Mm. So I understand where a lot of the discipline comes from now. Yeah. Because one thing I've always told people about BJJ, there's two types of people in BJJ. There's the hobbyists, obviously yeah. the people who just do it for the sake of doing it. And then there's the competitors, the ones who are like doing it nonstop and all. But I don't feel like they should differ in any chance of like practicing it. Yeah. And for a lot of these people, it's the first thing they've ever done that's like really, really hard. Yeah. Because it's something that you're actually doing. It's a lot of taxing on the body. But I've also found people who've come from very like high sporting backgrounds and people who've come yeah. from very athletic backgrounds, they generally, they generally do tend to stay in it because they understand the concept of discipline and working hard and all that. Yeah. So whenever I ask some people like, oh, what's your history of going into BJJ? And they say they never did, hey, if they never had a sporting background or they've never had like any kind of martial arts experience or anything like that, then they generally do have a rough time getting into it and trying yeah. to stay into it. But the ones who actually have had some form, some form of uh, craft or hobby in their life where it's involved at physical dis- dis- discipline, then yeah, they do dem- generally tend to go further with it. Anyway, so when you first started doing doing sorry doing jujitsu, how often was it and all that? And how did you like? St- what made you want to like stay with it in the end? Um, I so I basically it was it was all Rodrigo and my brother, of course. So. M- like my brother took me into the first trial class and Rodrigo was the coach there. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. I think we we're doing Americanas from Mount and I was like, Oh, this is cool. And then Rodrigo after the class goes, I'll see you, I'll see you tomorrow. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I'll come back. And then I came back and I think I did a, I think I did a lunchtime class and he was, yeah. And like, that was, that was so cool. Like it was the first time I ever rolled and he was like, he was telling everyone, be careful with Aiden. He called me Big Big Aiden. Aiden was my brother. Oh, oh he's my brother. And because he didn't know my name at the time. <laughs> and oh, okay. yeah. Um, and he was like, yeah, be careful with him. You know, his, his arm and leg doesn't work that well. And I was like, yeah. And he was just making sure I was okay. And then he just saw me roll like throughout the weeks after. And he was like, oh, you're fine. And he would just like let everyone just go hard on me like, like he does with everyone else. And yeah, so. Wow. Okay. So, did you ever end up like? Do you did did some uh, competitions as well? Yeah. At the time. So, what was it like then on your first competition? Oh, the first comp. So that was at the start of twenty twenty as a white belt. I I was shitting myself to be completely <laughs> honest. Sorry if we're. I don't know if we're allowed to swear on this, but no, nah, yeah. it's fine. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was basically I was really nervous, and I was I was like, oh, I thought I did a couple of wrestling classes. I was like, oh, I could wrestle. I can wrestle. 
Turns out I couldn't at the time. Um, yeah, got taken down and basically, no, the guy pulled guard on me yeah. and got me into a triangle straight away. No, it was a guillotine. And then I popped my head out and then he's gone straight into a triangle. And I lasted that triangle for like three minutes. And then like, and then he, he, so he rolled over to a mounted triangle at the time too and was like pulling on my head. I was like, all right, uh, I just got to hold on to that little bit longer to see if I can get out. And then he went for my right arm as well. And I was like, okay, if he breaks my right arm, I can't do anything with my left. Uh, so I may have to tap you. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. So that was my first match in a no gi comp. And yeah, it was from there. I was just like, you know, what? I'm going to get better. I'm going to try and do well at this. And then I competed in almost every competition I can since then. So, jeez. So yeah. over the space of what you've been doing it for three years now. Yeah. Do you know how many you've done? Um. So I did maybe three or four white belt. I think this is. I think the SGT I just did before was my fourth blue or third blue. Okay. So yeah, um, haven't been able to compete as much as I wanted to this year, just with a couple of injuries. But yeah. Did you compete in the one that just went? Yeah. How'd, yeah. You, go, how'd you get on? <laughs> so I lost all eight by submission. But um, so I, I decided to do gi and no gi. Oh. Um, at the time, I was like, when I registered, there was only like two people in each division. I was like, okay, I get four matches. It'll be good for pans, you know. And then on that last day, when everyone just flooded in with entries, it went up to like, yeah, I think I had f- like eight, ma- no, eight matches in total. So four in each. That's and, still really yeah. ballsy to do, though. Yeah. Like, that's rare for people <laughs> to do because normally people would do one division, but depending on the amount of people that would be in a division. Yeah. So, have you done what What weight class was it? Uh, 73. 73. So lightweight. lightweight. So, that's, that is one of the popular ones. I remember the 82 and the 88 have yeah. always been the most popular because there's like two types of boys that would enter in something like that. There's a guy who's very tall. And just that's his natural way, or the short, really jack dudes. And yeah, <laughs> man, like you just like go up against them, and like they're probably a little bit shorter than me, but they're just yoked day. And I was like, whoa, what what is going on here? And they're just like really strong. Yeah, well, they ain't testing for those levels and all that. I mean, cause oh, it's just, mate, like <laughs> there's, there's no testing in jujitsu, mate. That's <laughs> no, not at all. So that's actually what I dealt with in uh, 88 and 82. There was really? always a tall, yeah. Well, for example, like Luke, who won it. I mean, yeah. not shitting on Luke, but he's obviously, he's a tall lad. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty tall. And then there's guys who, I'm 5'11 as well, hashtag short kings. But there's the guys <laughs> who are actually shorter than me who just absolutely fucking yoked yeah. as well. So, yeah, I get where that's coming from. So, hey, I mean... That's that's still a really a really good experience. When I had my first comp myself, yeah, I lost the first two matches and then I won the third, and then I think I won one more towards the end. I think I had no, I had two wins, two draws, two losses, and then I realised, oh shit, I actually turned up for gear as well. And then yeah. by the time I hit gear, I was just absolutely <laughs> exhausted and lost all three of the next ones. And then I hyper because I constantly got armbarred. By the end of it, my arm was completely hyperextended. It was starting Jeez. to swell. So that's when I just like pulled out for the last three yeah. matches. I was like, nah, no, I'm that, good. That's a smart move, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I'm glad it did because now, like, what is it? Yeah, um, whenever someone tries to attempt an armbar on the yeah. right side, it just goes into panic. My whole body just goes oh, into yeah. panic mode. Cause yeah. It, uh, it's a sensation. It's something that the brain does whenever it's like in this area of pain. It will do everything it can to avoid that. Mm. So naturally, my whole body would just go to every single escape under the sun to 100% if someone tried to armbar. And it's always the right side. Yeah. Left side, they can catch and all that. But yeah. yeah. Just, just feed your left arm, just slowly move that out. <laughs> like, yeah, go for this one. Well, I've always oh, yeah. found the best, the perfect move for me is when you tuck your hand underneath 
the yeah. armpit and then grab the back of their leg. Yeah. That's the one move I've always found to work when it comes to armbar escapes. The one where you grab and then you have to roll oh, with it. Oh, the hitchhiker. That that scares me. I, I There's not a chance I'm using that because I'm scared of rolling the wrong way. And my brother did that at a comp and dislocated his elbow. What you just said is exactly yeah. the same reason why. Because I've seen that happen to other people but also just seeing it happen in training in general. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a dangerous thing when to grab something when they're at the most distal point and then rotate one way. That can how you yeah. dislocate it. Or that can how you can tear, rotate a cuff. And that's the biggest fear for me, especially in jiu-jitsu, is injuries because yeah. a lot of people are very injury prone. And touch wood, well, I haven't actually come across anything like that yet. Have you? You ever been injured uh, or anything like that in training? Um. Yeah, well, yeah. So I was in hospital for a couple of days. Uh, oh in God, I Ju- you said. Ju- <laughs> July. <laughs> no, it's all good. So um, we're doing wrestling class on a Saturday morning, and my my brother pops up a lot here. He seems to injure me a lot. No, nah, but he doesn't. So it's all good. So um, we're doing. Um, He's probably sticking his head out there. Yeah. Like, right, what did you say? <laughs> Pretty much, and he can beat me up. So it's mm. it's probably that's that's why we got two doors right, so we can't get him. Ah. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, so he's, he's we've gone, f- we're doing like this roll in wrestling where you like, basically it's a counter off the single leg. So you sit into like almost like an S mount like position there and then like roll them over, over the shoulder. Um, I did, I like my head wasn't in the right spot and it just clicked a couple of times and yeah, just like my right arm went all numb and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh geez, this isn't good. And I was panicking and yeah, cause it was a neck injury. I had to lay still. They took me uh, via am- uh, ambulance to Junilop Hospital. And because it was the one of the long weekends, um, they couldn't get an MRI on me straight away. So I had to stay in hospital for two days. Jeez. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Why couldn't they get an MRI? Was it because of the public holidays? Yeah, because it was a public holiday. So they got an x-ray. And after the x-ray, they were like, oh, it seems okay. But you may have a dislocation on C6, C7, I think it was. And I was like, Oh, jeez, that's not good. So I, I just like, I think I called my brother and I was just like freaking out. And he was like, you're going to be okay. Um, but they, they go, oh, we'll get you to do a CAT scan and it should be okay. Um, they did a CAT scan. They're like, oh, it was just the angle that we we're looking at. Um, it's actually all good. And I was like, oh, thank God. Um, and yeah, because the MRI um, machine or like the people that can operate it, they couldn't get that done until, mon- uh, until the Tuesday because the Monday was the public holiday that they had. And no, no one was staffed. And they were like, oh, we might be able to send you the Charlie's. I think I think it was Charlie's or Royal Perth um, to get a MRI there. But they were just like, no, nah, we can't even do that because the people that do the collars, because they didn't want me to move my neck, they, are not, they weren't able to come in until that Tuesday as well. So they were just like, you're just going to stay here. I went into the, the private hospital area, which was actually really nice. <laughs> it's pretty fancy. Um, yeah, and just stayed there for a couple of days. And so yeah. what happened that once you got out, what did they um, say to you? Like, yeah, so I can't remember the diagnosis. I think it was just, um, like it was like almost like pretty bad whiplash, I guess from it. Um, just like the, the like there was no ligament damage or any vertebrae movement or anything like that, which was good. Uh, it was just like a nerve, like a nerve strain, um, from the trap to the brachial plexus. Okay. And so I was having like altered sensations throughout my thumb for a good like six weeks or so. And oh. loss of strength throughout the arm as well. So, like, I was overhead pressing, like, three kilos <laughs> for a little bit on my good side. So, yeah. On my, on my left side, it would have been pretty good for me. But, <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, and then I it, 
I didn't roll for six weeks or so and then came back and yeah, I was like the first week I was pretty nervous and yeah, but then after that it was all fine. And then, yeah. Does it give you any like any strain or uh, stress to this day? Uh, not at the moment, no. No, my neck's just, just stiff from getting cross-faced and all that all the time, but oh, it's, no, it's and nice. shoulder fresh off, but it's like, it's nothing, nothing, you know, non-judiciary related, I guess. Okay. It's good. Do you do anything to strengthen it or do you um, do anything like to re- prehab it still or? Yeah. So like a lot of the neck rolls that we do in wrestling, I do most days before training now, um, just because it helps, um, well, I find for myself that it strengthens up the muscles around it and then also adds a bit more mobility to it as well, which is good. Like I don't go into like the full um, bridges from it mm-hmm. just because my, my neck and then all that isn't that strong, but um, yeah, I'll do the best I can with it and it seems to help me as well. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So tell me then about like what's your training schedule and how does that fit into your studies? Or- yeah. Um, so at the moment I try to do uh, train four to five days a week. So I'll go um, – so I'll train jiu-jitsu – like Monday night, so after after I train like one of my table tennis clients, I'll either do the five thirty to eight o'clock session, or I'll do the um, six six thirty to eight o'clock session on a Monday, and then Tuesday I'll train S and C in the morning for an hour, um, and then I'll go do um, go to my class for uni, and then I'll work after that with one of my support clients, uh, support work clients I've got, and then I'll train. At June Lup for from five thirty to seven forty five, mm-hmm. and then Wednesday I'll have off, and then uh, Thursday I'll do maybe the the um, all level session or competition class at Bravos, um, which is about an hour and a half, two hours, and then I'll wrestle for one hour on a Friday, and then if my body's holding up, um, a Saturday session for one hour as well. Oh, okay. Oh, and I do S and C as well again on a Friday morning. So. Okay, between two S and E sessions, like, do you follow some sort of program? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, I'm pretty lucky that um, one of my best mates that from uni, he um, he like owns a gym around the corner called Jump Lift Run, and we um, he basically runs all my programming. Um, just because, <laughs> so when I told him I was first doing jujitsu, he goes, oh, "I can help you for that." I was like, "Yeah, for sure, mate." And yeah, so yeah, he um, basically w- we used to do it. I can't remember where we used to train, but yeah, train at a different location. And yeah, he would train me like one-on-one for a bit. And then when he started up Jump Lift Run, I just continued to go there with him. And yeah, no, it's a pretty cool vibe. So yeah, and I, I learn a lot from him as well, just mainly as a practitioner because he's done some internships over in the States. He did his master's as well. He's worked with like a lot of different footy teams as well um, in Perth and like from the S&C side and perspective of things. So like I'm... Like as much as I'm like getting my program like ran by him, like I'm learning a lot from him as well. Mm-hmm. So it's been been quite good. Do you find yourself doing like a lot of kettlebell work and all? Um, I, it's more, I guess like more barbell based, but then also dumbbell based as well. Mm. Some kettlebells um, I've been using as well. Um, but it's just sometimes the hand position with the kettlebell oh. is a bit rough. Yes. Um, so I prefer dumbbells and I use this like little strap that basically goes around my wrist there and goes up and oh sorry that's so good <laughs> and then up and over my wrist there and holds uh, the dumbbell in place okay so, yeah so i noticed if you're doing like a barbell like 
as in like two wrist straps that one goes in the wrist, the other one yeah. goes around. Yeah. Yeah. I actually will, in general, I've always told people whenever you're doing some form of like heavy, heavy back work yeah. or any SNC work or any like Romanian devs, always to go for the straps because they always felt like they give a better fuel yeah. of the exercise as well. Mm. So one, th- what there's a few exercises I've always recommended. Lately, I find myself doing a lot more kettlebell work, yeah. like uh, Turkish get-ups and windmills and pull-throughs, and there's a lot of banded swings as well. As I've always found, like, for anyone listening, if you're doing BJJ, like, always found cleans now something. Not, like, full overhead snatches, but just, like, yeah. cleans up. Cause so it's cleans with work. a kettlebell? Cleans with a kettlebell, yeah. and also cleans with a barbell oh, as well. Oh, barbell when cleans you, are amazing. Yeah, pull yeah. it under. It's just I've always been quite hesitant sometimes of doing – um. Heavy barbell work because of, you know, how unforgivable we find the barbell sometimes. Mm, yeah. And that it exposes where your weaknesses are. Yeah. So whenever I have someone coming on to me, like a new client for the first time, I always make sure we spend a good significant amount of time just getting the real basics nailed down, like basic movements. And I spend a lot of time doing those with kettlebells because I feel as if another grit and a lot of strength coaches who have had come on also told me the same. Yeah. But they feel as if like the bar itself is a rite of passage and it's something you have to earn yeah. right off the bat because let's say if you sh- you got one shoulder that's weaker than the other mm. and you try and jump straight on the bar, that can actually have a more detrimental effect on the body and all. Um, what's another one? And do you ever do like any trap bar work? That one I found. Yeah. Um, trap bar deadlifts, are like more of the, um, I guess like the squatting, um, variation of it help, helps me a lot as well um, except for I have to wear a glove with the strap because like my hand my left hand just like gets grind like it basically grinds on the um, little like divots that they have on the grips there mm-hmm. and just destroys my hands so um, I haven't done trap bar for a while but they used to work really well for me and because you can change the height as well of it if you just pop some plates underneath it as well mm-hmm. um, to a range that you can get to it works it works really well for me Awesome. Yeah. So when you're doing your S&E studies and all that, yep. um, you told me earlier on that you wanted to get into uh, the – Was so explain it again. You wanted to oh, get into yep. the realm of uh, helping people with sales with disabilities? Yeah. So um, basically, like, after I did my master's in S&C, I, which was probably, yeah, the end of last uh, – the start of last year, I was like – I kind of, I think my niche would, or like my my best area to go into would be to work with athletes with disabilities. But I just didn't, I didn't want to just be like, oh, I've got a master's in S&C, I know how to work with people with disability. That's not the case. And I was like, I, I know I've got living experience with a disability, but I don't know like the ins and outs of each different um, condition that someone has. So I was like, okay, where can I get that experience? And I, um, yeah, basically got in contact with one of my old physios that I had as a kid who has her own organisation um, working with people uh, with neurological conditions and uh, working with kids with neurological conditions. And I was like, um, yeah, I had a coffee with her. And basically from there, um, yeah, I was like, oh, can I volunteer for you? And they had like an after schools program where they just basically got kids participating in sport. And yeah, from that, um, I really enjoyed it and learned a lot from all the different staff there. And end up getting a part-time job with them this year. So, yeah. Wow. So, so yeah. like, you t- what kind of disabilities do they have? Th- what ones such as yourselves? Or yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, there's like a whole range of disabilities. A um, lot with CP, 
but like at all different classifications. So you have like a GMFCS, which is basically a, a basically a testing battery um, for all different like functional movements for kids with disabilities. Um, and you get scaled from a one being like the most functional and then a five being like the least functional. And there's like different domains for it. So a 66 test one, and then there's an 88. So you can do a, a 66 for CP, I believe it is. And then an 88 for like any other neurological conditions. Okay. Um, so yeah. what, what are, just to interrupt, well, what yeah. are some of these like functional movements that you test yeah. them for? Like jumping, running? Um, so because you get like really young kids, um, like even toddlers and that, it's more about just like how long they can sit in, like sit in like a normal position, like say cross-legged or a diamond position. Um, can they roll? Because some of them, some of the kids can't even roll. Like well, as side. in like? Yeah. Like just like roll from one side to the other to like say even <laughs> grab a toy. Or like even look at a toy. Um, Yeah, it's like a lot of like, and then like the crawling and four point as well. So like some can only creep on their elbows. Um, And yeah, so it like goes through all of that kind of stuff. And then like a pulling to stand as well is a different domain as well. And then as you get further on, it starts becoming more like different, like locomotor type of activities. Yeah. Wow. Damn. That's that's pretty full on all that. Like, uh, the, I mean, i got to admit, though, I remember when I was in uni and we did get to work with those uh, kids with disabilities and I always found that, um, I always found that unit to definitely be one of the most enjoyable. Yeah. Mainly because it, like, just a tremendous amount of benefit you get out of people and the amount of joy that comes in their face that comes from just learning how to do basic things that we you know we can take every day for granted. Like, yeah. you could, uh, they weren't to the extent... Um, what you had, but there were things like you know, learning how to jump, how to run properly, how to skip better, how to throw better. Yeah, you know, those are the main things. And even if it's just like a slight little bit of a improvement, that just like means the absolute world to them, and it's also to their parents as well yeah. because they're the ones who are constantly trying to care for them, and make sure they get the best help they have. You know, yeah. and uh, and that's 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 probably one of the most important parts. Now, when you're like competing and all that, yeah. Because of uh, having cerebral palsy and all, how have you like? How have you like got over like that nerve? Do you feel like you have a? It's a bit of a quint thing to say. Do you feel like because you have cerebral palsy, you have something a little bit more to prove and all with these people? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I've, also, I've honestly felt that way myself. Because yeah. being I'm um, someone who I'm deaf, yeah. so I'm profoundly deaf. I lost my hearing when I was three. Wow. Whenever it goes to those competitions, because I'm deaf and I can't hear anything at all. I feel like I have to beat these people to f- prove that I am, you know, I am more than capable of being on your level, despite what I have. Do you yeah. ever feel something like that? Oh, hundred percent. Like, like any time, like rolling at training to competition, I'm like, I'm going to beat you. Like, I don't care what, I, like, I may have physical limitations, but I'm going to go and beat you. Um, didn't work out <laughs> too well at the last column where I lost all eight, but <laughs> it's, it's like just having that drive and you've got to be able to back yourself. And I think that's something I had as a young age. It's just like I always wanted to compete able body stuff and try and beat them and like be the best I can at that kind of stuff. So I did like footy growing up and motocross and all that kind of stuff. You did well. motocross? Oh, yeah. So I did um, ATV motocross. So Holy shit. Yeah, so How like, did you do that with them? Oh, so, <laughs> so like basically um, I strapped my hand on. And you strapped your yeah, hand on? Yeah, strapped my hand on. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got some funny stories about that too. So I strapped my hand on and um, when, once you get to like the bigger motorcycles like 200cc and 450cc you have to have gears and they're normally on the left um left hand side of the 
like foot pegs there. I couldn't really change gears with my left foot. So they would move. They, I was luckily, I, we knew some, a really good mechanic that was able to trans, transfer, uh, transfer the gear shifter and the brake pedal to the right-hand side on the foot peg there Jesus. and on the nerf bar. And I was able to race there. Um, I actually competed in the nationals there at, you know, wow. in motocross as well because it just happened to be in WA at the time. So, um, yeah. How old were you at the time then? I was 13 when I competed at the national championships then. Oh, um, so, like, this was, like, 200cc class. So. That scares the shit. That's, that just yeah. thought of that one was just a while. Scares the shit out of me and all that. Like, yeah. It was funny, though, because also my dad recently just started driving a motorcycle. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's gone through, like, a midlife crisis. <laughs> he's decided this is what he's going to do. And then the bare look of Thor, those things just absolutely scares the hell yeah. out of me and all that. Like, so the ones you were driving at the time, they, yeah. they don't require much of a gear change and all. Um, they did. So like when I first started 90 CCs, this was like when I was 10 years old. It was just automatic and just hold the thing on pin day and just go around the track. Um, yeah, crashed a couple of times, but that that is what it is. Um, and then once I got into like the 200 CC class, that's when like most of the bikes had gears and all that. So like I was like. I, I told my dad I can't. I still want to race. I want to do well in this, and I thought I was going to be a pro pro ATV rider. It turns out I wasn't, but um, but yeah. Um, so he just, he was like, okay, we'll find a way to make this work, and we had a lot of good people around us that um, helped like well find different ways to modify the bike, and yeah, um, we found one way that worked for me, and yeah. Really, do you still ride or anything? Like um, that? no. So I raced one year of seniors and. This <laughs> this will get to the story of why I stopped. So okay. um, I, I had a couple of good races in seniors and I made some pretty cool passes on people, which was cool. Um, and then it was probably around this time, I think it would have been like when I was in year 12. And I went back to the junior track because my brother was racing at the time too and he was still junior. And I was like, oh, I can go and practice at the track there too. And I was like, oh, I'm on a 450 now. I can clear all these tabletops. And I've gone up one the the last tabletop at the junior track and gone cross rutted up the up ramp and I've gone, oh shit, there's a big like like divot on the down ramp. And so I've gone a little bit over towards the left hand side of the jump and hit the hit the fence there, rolled over, um, like went flying over the fence, Jesus. landed on my pelvis and broke Jesus. it. <laughs> oh my God. And that was yeah. the good side too, wasn't yeah. it? Yep. Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ. And so you've have you uh, I just gotta ask this Zed. Judging by this conversation that we've had, have you broken everything on that side? <laughs> um, not yet. No, no, yeah. no, 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 touch wood, I don't break anything more. So yeah. um, Breaking the pelvis, that, yeah. that's not good. That's not no. good, man. Like, so what happened then after, did you have to get sent emergency, rushed emergency yeah. to hospital? Yeah, so um, met the good people at June Love Hospital again. Um, mm, and they like, oh, <laughs> you again, what's this time? Yeah, pretty much. And yeah, so... Um, I stayed in there for a couple of days and the well, luckily it, the x-ray showed it was in the non-weight bearing section. So I was able to walk and all that, just not very well. And the worst bit about it was I was meant to play in Oceania Championships for table tennis two weeks after over in Canberra. And at the same time, we organized to do my waist exams over there as well. So wow. I still went over and competed over there. I Despite lost, a broken hip. Yeah, I literally stand in the middle of the table and was like, okay, let's see how we go. Jesus. And it kind of hurt, but... It, it's all right. It, okay. it was okay. Um, it was a good experience anyway. Um, but yeah, and then did my waist exams over there still. And yeah, I, I after that, I was like, if I want to be good at table tennis, I've got to and put everything I can into it. I've got to stop like racing. Like it sucked. 
Um, but yeah, I yeah had to give it up and yeah, like and, and I was thankful that I was able to race because it showed what I can do. Um, but also it gave me like stopping also really helped me try to progress my career in table tennis and yeah, trying to live out another dream. So, yeah. wow, that's crazy. So after breaking, they're just, uh, off the bat neck injury, we've got yeah. a leg injury. We've got a break, yeah. the le- break in the ankle. Yeah. Broken a pelvis. Yep. Fuck, is there anything else that we haven't mentioned um, yet? Um, I think that's all. And I just said, oh, yeah. touch wood, I haven't broken it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, yeah. So I think that's pretty much it. So when, what did, it, what did it go? It went ankle, hip, neck. So I, I've gone up the body, which yeah. is good. Yeah. Which one would you say was the hardest one for you to come back from? Uh, probably, oh, I'd say the neck more from like, maybe because it's like recent and I remember it quite um, fondly or not fondly, <laughs> fondly is not the right word, but like. I, I remember it quite a bit better than the other two. Um, I think just also like worried about getting rolled over that again. So I learned how to tuck my head better now, which is good. Um, but also I think the first couple, couple of weeks of like being okay with getting shoulder pressured again. And because unfortunately my style of jujitsu, I get shoulder pressured a lot. Not necessarily by choice, but it just happens. Um, so I had to be okay with that. And yeah, like took me a couple of weeks and then, but I was fine from there. And none of them yeah. give you any more pain or anything like that to this nah, day. Nah, that's important. All that, yeah. Because yeah, one thing that re- like really scares me and all that. You ever meet? Because we're both S and C coaches. Like, do you ever meet that those clients and they've had an injury that's just nagged them their entire life and all that? Yeah. Just because they'd never attended to it and all that. Yeah. That that's just baffles me and all that. When mm. someone, it's something I feel like is not right with the body, like it's a strain or it's an imbalance immediately stop what we're doing always feel like I have to find a way to fix this and all that because I feel like if they it's better to f- solve it when it's a small one rather yeah. than when it's a big problem and mm. all that you know so that's the main thing the next thing I really wanted to ask you which yeah. was uh, just because this topic actually means quite a lot to me is um, whenever uh, I people ask me myself basically being deaf about what it's like being jiu-jitsu to me I've always found it to be actually my biggest advantage because yep. not being able to hear anything deli- uh, eliminates that distraction. Oh, wow. So when I'm actually, yeah, so when I'm competing or when I'm rolling, I take them out, obviously let my partner know, and they know. Yeah. But not being able to hear what's going on around me and that distraction allows me to think so clearly. It allows me, my thoughts to be so clear and I can actually feel like I'm a lot more better yep. when I don't have my cochlears in. Now, have you ever found a way, like maybe having cerebral palsy, has that ever given you, I know if it's not too much, has it ever given you like actually an advantage over um, anyone in some ways? I think because like I, so a lot of my game is half guard or like try to go into like the dogfight half guard. Um, so I think I spend a lot more time in that than other people do. And so I can get sweeps off that quite, quite well. And I guess that kind of is my advantage, but then, yeah. Um, also like, my right arm is super strong compared to my left. So like that is, that's kind of an advantage for me. Like I guess like if I'm thinking of advantages that I have physically on people mm-hmm. is like that grip is quite strong relative to other probably 73 kilo people just because I know I have to use it for everything. So it's probably, it's pretty strong and the grip strength is strong. But yeah, I was just thinking with like when you say you like eliminate all distractions when you have your hearing aids out when you're competing, 
does it like is it hard well does your coach know any like keyword sign or Auslan to help I, I guess you can't really do it no, when you're no, competing no. but like occasionally I, I occasionally if i can i mean if, if i'm in a really good position or really confident i'll look over hit to him yeah. and then he would try and like imitate a movement my dad's really good at it because oh, my dad's good. a um my dad is a uh is a black belt in judo oh wow yeah so yeah that's sort of where some of it stems from he knows he knows a lot about arm bars really well and he knows a lot about ver um triangle chokes and a fair amount about arm triangles and there's also a lot about takedowns so he's always trying to give me advice about takedowns and all that because yeah. jiu-jitsu off the bat most of their stand-up game most of people's stand-up game is pretty shit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i gotta get that <laughs> so uh but if i said uh, i occasionally will look over to him and then remember it was perfect he um he i had to remember i had the top of an arm bar of someone and i couldn't break the grip yeah and then he just started imitating the movement because oh, he just knew sick. it so well. Just get your arm, put it in, wrap it around, then fall back. Or he said, get the Kimura grip, break it off, then fall back. Yep. And just immediately it worked and all that. Mm. So that's one way. But no, most of the time when I am competing, I don't even bother. And it's important for me to do that as well because it really shows down, comes down to how well I actually know my stuff yep. in those yep. situations. Yeah, because... I can't have my uh, coach just saying, tell me something, even if it's so basic, yeah. like such as like switching your foot position or switching your arm position or mm -hmm. just grabbing it. I can't hear him. So I'm all on my own. Yeah. So that's why whenever I'm doing my, that's why people always tell me, it's quite funny as well, but my uh, matches are generally the quietest <laughs> because there's no point trying to cheer me on. Yeah, I'm not going to hear anything. It's like, yeah, go Joe, go. And then realize, oh. Yeah, can't hear it, but <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend's like that as well. She yeah. said there's a couple of guys came to see me in um in one of my last competitions, and then my girlfriend's like, you know, he's deaf, right? And they were like, oh shit, what? Oh yeah, he can't hear us. <laughs> they just stood there in silence. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, my matches are like a funeral service. You know what I mean? <laughs> just standing there in silence, looking down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they know you, like you know that they they support you anyway, so that. Yeah. Well, the most important thing for me now is I've done it long enough to know that also the the coaches themselves yeah. know everyone knows, but also the most important part is the referees. Yeah. Like, do you have like I'm assuming you would tell them beforehand, or <sighs> even like your coaches would. Tell? I know that the hard way. So uh, I've, I had a competition, right? Is that when you like Kimura that dude? Yeah, 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 I saw <laughs> that. I was watching that match because I think it was in the round robin with Luke as well, and yeah. I was like watching that match and and like. I think because someone must have said like to one of us as well that like you're deaf and yeah. I was like I was I was yelling out at the ref as well I was like he's deaf he can't hear you like physically come and like you know yeah up as well it's true yeah, so, so I always I, I did used to always tell the ref right yeah so I had a situation that was one of them but I had a situation where I didn't tell her beforehand uh, right, yeah. the kid verbally tapped she tapped me now the hand sign for it the match being over is like that yeah or and that like that and that way yeah. they know it's over she didn't she just touched me and i was like what so i kept going yeah and then i put the kid in three different submissions and he tapped three times verbally oh, wow. and i didn't hear him i know and, and, that, I, and I had a commotion wins? i nearly got kicked out of the tournament because oh, wow. that and then people were yelling and i was like no no i'm, I'm deaf i'm deaf and i went and sat down with the guy afterwards i said i'm really sorry about that mm. i had no intention of hurting you because um, he stormed off after the match, he didn't yeah. after getting his, before he's getting the hand raised. Yeah. So I had to talk to the officials, and then now it's also make sure. But then there's another situation happened. The one you referred to specifically, <laughs> they switched referees. Oh no! Just b before my match. Yeah. 
I swear it was almost the exact same guy. Yeah. That's why I got <laughs> into that situation where yeah. he verbally tapped and then my coach was ready, said he was ready to run onto there and just push me off because, yeah. you know, obviously then he physically did it and all that. Yeah. So, and yeah. then that's when there was a little bit of commotion. Yeah. So I understand. So yes. Um, but at the same time, when you, when that happens, I got to say, look, it is what it is. It's on yeah. me. It's my responsibility. Yeah. But they all also know that I've never intentionally gone in there wanting to actually hurt yeah. someone. Like you're not Paul Harris trying to like, you know, no. hold on to heel hooks in. No, no. <laughs> I would hate no. to be that dude, you know. Um, But yeah, look, things like that happen and that's just life. Yeah. And it shouldn't let, it, something like that shouldn't stop you from doing what yeah. you love and all that. But I do have to be extra cautious. Um. If I get someone into a position, I know they're in that position. In training, if I know I've already got them, yeah, and their hands are stuck, I just get out of the position. Yeah, there's it's just I've already won. You know, yeah. that's the main thing. The next thing is if it's in competition, if I get them into that, um, if I am into a good position where I got the choke, I just keep my eyes locked on straight away on the referee, okay. make direct yeah. eye contact with him, so he knows. And yeah. then as soon as he gets close, boom. Mm. That's yeah. over. Yeah. Because no, physically, if I can't feel the tap and I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to hear it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, tell me before we wrap this up, man, yeah. you're getting ready for PAMS? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm doing Pan Pacific Championships in Melbourne next month. So, oh, no, it's this month now. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. We're in October. Yeah. yeah. That, that's crazy how quickly this year's gone. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I felt like we were robbed of the first half of the year. Yes. Because... Agreed. The reason why I feel like the rest of this year is going so quickly is because of the first half of the year, no one was doing anything. Like we had COVID and everything was locked. No one could leave the country. Mm. We were still in a weird spot. We were still having, I think we had a lockdown or something like that. So, Oh yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah. We started the year off in lockdown, literally. Yeah, that's right. Like, like that feels like so long ago as well, <laughs> as well as the year's gone quick. It's, it's just a weird feeling. Yes, but I've always found this October, November, December have always been my favourite months because it's for three reasons. One, it's the last third of the year, so people are into panic mode of all the shit they were supposed to get done for the first half of the year. Yep. Now they could got to get down to the last half. Summer's around the corner. It's getting hotter. It's been beautiful weather today. Something is just generally always going on, and I generally feel like this time of the year people are more happy. Yeah, because yeah. we got October's Halloween and November is almost summer, but all the kids are breaking up from school. Unis are out. Um, there's events coming up, and Americans they have the Thanksgiving, and in December, December's always like it'd be the hot month, and yeah. like she, every festival's on, every party's on, every fucking events on. So this has always generally been my favorite time of the year. You know? Yeah. Anyway, man, so let's just, uh, before we wrap this up, like, uh, like, tell me about, like, what are the training and what are the things you're focusing on specifically for Pam Ams? Um, I think at the moment is just trying to dial in my game. So um, just, like, playing my A game, which is, like, well, it doesn't matter if people know. I guess it's, like, full guard and half guard. is like, that's what I want to be really good at. Um, I think I got stuck in, like, a bit of limbo. Like, just, I was practicing guard retention a lot and my guard was getting passed. And I was getting myself put in pretty bad positions um, rather than just being like more aggressive and like off the bat in training and just like pulling pulling them into my my game. So I've been focusing on that this week a lot more. Um, just making sure like my diet's really good at the moment. Um, like weight's not a problem or anything. I'm just sitting around that weight, which is good. Sometimes I have to eat a little bit more. I've got to make sure I'm eating the right foods. <laughs> um, 
rather than just Maccas and all that. But I, I don't eat much Maccas, but yeah, all <laughs> that junk food in general. Um, but yeah, so it's just training, making sure my body's healthy. And I guess the recovery is probably the biggest thing as well. Um, because I, I know like if I do like four days in a row of training, hard training, like I'll end up getting sick or like if I just push myself too much. And, um, I think also with my coaching as well, because it's like a bit more of an active job and even my job at Healthy Strides as well, um, uh, it's a bit more of an active job. So, um, I've got to manage my energy on that as well. So just trying to like basically stay healthy, stay strong and become like, just work on my A game pretty much is what I'm going to be doing for pans. And, you know, I'm just going to go out there and try my best to win. And yeah, that's what I'm going to do. That's awesome. So when is Pan specifically? So it starts on the 28th of October, 28th I believe. 28th of October. Okay. So we'll make sure we tune into that one. Yeah. Now, just before we let you go, man, obviously just want to make sure we get the, get the plug. So uh, oh, yeah. if anyone wants to work with you or anything like that, where yeah. can they find you? Um, so my Instagram is ConnorJohnston53. So John... Johnston is spelt as John Stone, so J-O-H-H-N-S-T-O-N-E, and then 53. 53, because people always ask me, was my old race number in motocross, so that's why I had that. Oh, um, yeah, okay. so I was like Herbie. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair um, enough. And then my also my, um, my S&C page, which I haven't uploaded since the first post, but I, I will be doing that over the summer, is Limitless S&C. So it will be... Um, It'll be a, a link in my um, normal Instagram bio because I can't remember where the little um, underscores go in the title. But yeah, those are my, my two pages that I've got. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for listening, guys. Connor, thanks very much for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks, uh, good luck to you me. as well, especially at Pam Ams. And uh, guys, if you're listening, don't forget to follow the podcast and all the socials. And we are just literally three episodes away from 150 episodes. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, I'm getting it's. It feels amazing. Like that's the thing. I've been holding on to for this long. I've been doing it as well, and it's been a hell of a ride. And just want to say, guys, if you're listening, thank you so much for being part of this. And I love you all. And thank you, Connor, for obviously being a part. Thanks for having me, Joe. And uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. And that is game.